0: Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Dude.
1: Ahoy! It is indeed Album Nerds Podcast time. I'm Dude, I got Andy and Don with me. Andy, how you doing my friend? You ready to set sail?
2: Dude, yeah. Got the anchor stowed and the uh, sails are at full mast. I don't know all this oh jargon here <laughs> a for. A Full <laughs> mast. Oh boy! Yeah, I'm excited. I'm gonna find out if yacht rock is not rock or rock.
0: A three-hour tour. <laughs> a three-hour tour. That's a Gilligan's Island reference,
1: everyone. <laughs> so, welcome to the show. We're the album nerds. We love talking about uh, the albums in album format. And uh, we've got a great show for you today. We're each picking an album. We're going to talk about it, going to answer a question. And at the end of the show, uh, we're sailing into some special waters. And
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like international at the end waters. Of the show,
1: yeah. At, at the end of the show, we'll fill you in on what we're doing on the next episode. But this week, it's time to rock yacht rock.
0: That's what I'm talking about The term yacht rock was coined in 2005 by the makers of an online video series called yacht rock uh, It refers to a broad music style and aesthetic commonly associated with soft rock of uh, of the 1970s and 1980s uh, the name refers to a stereotypical yuppie yacht owner enjoying smooth music while sailing Many Yacht Rockers included nautical references in their lyrics, videos, and album artwork. The creators of the Yacht Rock web series identify the following elements of the genre. High production value, use of elite Los Angeles-based studio musicians and producers associated with the genre, jazz and (laughs) R&B influences, use of electric piano, complex and wry lyrics about heartbroken, foolish men, particularly involving the word fool, uh, and an upbeat rhythm called the Doobie Bounce. The DB bounce. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so today, each of us will present an album from an artist that has been associated with the term yacht rock.
1: This this was this was a tough one because it's not really a genre, and it can kind of be anything as long as one song yep. fits those criteria or some, you know the majority of those criteria. I was a fool to think that this would be easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so, yeah, I mean, there were some obvious things. I mean, I went for 70s singer-songwriter type stuff. I mean, Michael McDonald, the Doobie Brothers, which he's a member of. Uh, Stephen Bishop, Careless, I was really close on. That's a, a good record from that time. I was, I was, so I listened to the album by Rupert Holmes, which was a bit of a chore <laughs> besides the single Escape, which was, was uh, a very famous, very yacht rocky song from, from that period. Or the Pina Colada song oh, yeah. uh, is a, a super essential yacht rocky, beachy, you know, tune. So I, I did enjoy listening to that song. The rest of the album had some clever little stories like that too, but none of them were as magical as, the Pina Colada song, Get Caught in the Rain. What about you guys? How'd you do?
2: Oh, well, oh man, this was a, a bit of a struggle for me. But I did find a couple things I'll mention. Uh, There's an interesting jazz record from bassist George Duke called Brazilian Love Affair. It came out in the late 70s. It's kind of a concept record, about like a trip he took to Brazil. Uh, pretty interesting jazz kind of funk record. Uh, Quincy Jones put out a record called The Dude in 1981. Back to that one, huh? <laughs> Couldn't do that one for obvious reasons, but uh.
1: yeah, copyright—I'd—I'd I'd have to sue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we just talked about Michael Jackson last episode, so felt a little samey. And we got to mention, and he touched on Michael McDonald, but he is kind of the uh, one of the giants in this space. Yeah. 1982 record if that's what it takes is a pretty quintessential yacht rock material he's the captain of yacht rock yeah seems to be
0: uh i originally i i the first thing i thought of uh was jimmy buffett you know just because a lot of his songs right have like nautical themes but then when i when i started reading about the Mm -hmm. yacht rock stuff some people were like nope jimmy buffett is not yacht rock he's kind of his own thing yeah and then I was, I, as I was looking at lists, I saw like names like Duran Duran and stuff. I'm like, what is this? This doesn't make <laughs> any sense. So I got frustrated. Uh, but then I saw a name of, of a group that I've kind of avoided for a, a long time. And I, and I thought it was, you know, th- this was finally an opportunity to get into their stuff. So I, I made my pick actually pretty, pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. We should quickly mention, uh, that website. They came across dude
1: Yacht or not So yeah check that out I believe it was a podcast uh, But they the, the members of it do a rating system of different songs and, and it determines what songs are yacht rock and which ones are not And that was a, a good compass for me to navigate these waters So why don't we get to it
0: <laughs> You choo choo choose <laughs> me
2: On oh, like Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, let me rock it, All right, we'll get things started off here with a bit of a, a dance party on the boat here. Chaka Khan. also.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to hit that throughout.
2: <laughs> Talking about Shaka Khan, if you haven't guest. Chaka Khan. Yes, Shaka Khan. <laughs> and her 1984 record, I Feel For You. Let's play the most Yacht Rock track on the record. This is a little bit of Through the Fire.
0: Man, I
1: don't know how you do it, Andy. It's a, it's a stretch, but it, it's, uh, you followed the rules.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that song was, was rated very highly on the Yacht Rock scale. Pretty popular song for her. It was the third single from the record, covered by Pipo Bryson in the 90s and then sampled again by Kanye West in the 2000s. I would say a pretty influential song for Chaka Khan. Chaka
0: Khan. Chaka Khan.
2: So, <laughs> <laughs> I Feel For You is the fifth studio album from the R&B singer from Chicago, Illinois. bunch of different co-writers on the record. Uh, the record was produced by Arif Marden, who produced... A whole lot of popular records in the 70s and 80s. Artists like David Bowie, Aretha Franklin, Willie Nelson, among dozens of others. Yeah, the record garnered a bunch of hits for Shaka Khan. We're going to play a couple of them in a moment. But the three words that I would use to describe this record are dancing on the decks. I'd say at its heart it's primarily a dance record, though there are elements of pop and soft rock in here. I think what I found most interesting about it is it's kind of, Adventures in some of his production choices. Uh, there's some stuff you wouldn't maybe expect to hear in an early to mid '80s dance record, um, and we'll we'll get into some of those details in a moment. But why don't we play another clip? This is a little bit of "My Love Is a Lot."
0: that song uh is actually written by uh gary wright his version called love is alive uh, appeared on his 1975 album dream weaver oh
1: no way Hmm.
0: yeah yeah
1: uh uh you son of a gun i've got that stuck in my head now
0: dream (laughs) weaver that's kind of yacht rocky
1: well, totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this one is a, you know, very uh, electronic dance treatment. That's one of those songs that has like one of those breaky stutters, right? Where it's like, I
2: don't know. I can't. Yeah. Breakbeat. I guess how I would call that. Yeah. Is that
0: a breakbeat? Which, uh, I
2: don't know. Like, did, was that around much in the early eighties? And this I, is I- when it hit know? really. Right.
1: I heard that kind of sound in like break dancing. And that was my only at the time, entree into the world of hip-hop or rap was Mm breakdancing compilation tapes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like it. Maybe it was earlier in hip-hop. I don't know.
1: And those kind of sounds were there, but they weren't in pop records, which right. is part of what made me think this was so cool at the time. I kind of thought a little bit about how Whitney Houston-y she sounds yeah. at times, and and also how Tina Turnery like, you know, yeah. Private Dancer came out the same year. And there's some parallels, but I feel like Chaka took more chances in terms of, like, the album may be a little uneven in its sounds, but that's because she was trying a bunch of new stuff.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Those yeah. two, those are t- two albums. I kept comparing it to the, the Whitney and the uh, and the Tina Tina Turner. Yeah, Whitney
1: came away. Whitney came around '85, right, with their right. first album. It sounds right.
0: This probably was the same year as the um, Herbie Hancock record, right? The Rocket. Right. Yeah, and that had kind of that breaky beat thing. Anyway, yeah. So uh, the the three words I chose to describe the album was uh, electro, Jack Swing. Uh, so this actually <laughs> reminded nice. me of uh, you know the the new Jack Swing. Records that that we listen yeah. to, but you know, with just a, a more a, electronic uh, a, approach. Actually, I mean, it ended up reminding me of stuff like New Order was doing at the, at the time. I'm also reminded of like Pet Shop Boys and Erasure and stuff like that. So yeah, I you know, I found uh, you know some you know, some common areas here. Overall, I I think it's a it's a it's a good record. I do think maybe because the musically the the album is kind of uh, ambitious just maybe it takes away f- or distracts from her voice a little bit or, or her personality
2: yeah i think that's fair criticism i, I feel like the, at least for my listening on headphones like the music is mixed evenly with her voice and at times it almost does overwhelm it because yeah. there's so much going on like sonically and her voice is just she has a great voice it's very powerful it's very fairly emotive well
1: let's make it clear too though that there's a moment she's on the yacht through the fire mm-hmm. but she she docks and gets off and hits the streets for the majority <laughs> of the record
2: she's right? in the club she's, i think a lot in, of the time yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah totally well let's hear um one of those more club ready tracks i guess you could say Chuck a Chuck a <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the more popular songs on the record but is a bit of i feel for you
1: Uh, of course, that song is most recognizable with the uh, the Chaka Khan uh, rap Chaka that Khan? starts off Chaka the song. Yeah. By, uh, Melly Mel from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, which is what drew me to this when I was a youth. This is <laughs> yeah, probably definitely. the first pop song I heard with a rap interlude, or, or maybe one of the first times I ever heard rap music, really, hmm. except uh, again for my my breakdancing cassettes and i god i i loved this this album my aunt had it and i i made a dub copy of it in my grandmother's bathroom because the acoustics were the best i took my aunt's boom box and played it and then had my tape recorder microphone <laughs> up against the speaker oh, <laughs> but i used to uh I used to enjoy that, that song quite a bit. I picture yeah. you popping and locking to that. <laughs> I, I had to stay still during the recording process, but afterwards, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the three words I used to describe the album were make me break, because I would break the like break dance to that, and then I ended up making cuts where it was just the rap part over and over again. Oh, really? <laughs> But on, on uh, what we just listened to, I wanted to make sure and get Chaka's voice in there. Um, so this song was written by Prince, recorded on his uh, self-titled 1979 album. I hear Prince's influence all over this album, not just that song. And I, I think at the time, I just thought that music was changing. I underestimated his influence. Mm-hmm. I think New Jack Swing and all the stuff that came after wouldn't have existed without Prince yeah. and hearing these Prince influenced albums and then throughout the eighties, all these songs written by him that were done by different artists. He had. I mean, there used in the '80s there was this whole conversation about Michael Jackson or Prince. There's no contest; it's Prince. Prince was the king of of that era. He's the king of influencing
0: R and B and soul music, in my opinion. What do you guys think about that? You know, take. I think that's actually a really good point because I remember. I don't remember what year we did for a theme. Was it 82 or 81 or something? I remember listening to the, the Shaka Khan, um, album from that year. Um, and it just had a very different sound. I mean, it was still very much of that like 70s disco vibe. And I think you're right. I, you know, I think it's kind of the, the Prince influence that, that took us into the, into the 80s, into that new Jack Swing era.
1: Let's, uh, let's just take a little listen to Prince's version of that song. A little more late seventies funk on that, mm-hmm. um, but so I really appreciate what Chaka and her production team were able to do with that song, and, and get uh, Melly Mel on there, and really, like we talked about a few weeks ago, elevating the you know taking that original version of a song and elevating it, making it making it something new and 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 great. So yeah, really appreciated. Listening to this album as a whole wasn't as awesome to me as it was when I was a kid. I think (laughs) because of sort of the unevenness. Yeah. But I do just remember popping and locking on my in the in the spare bedroom at my grandma's house (laughs) to this song, showing off to my cousins all my moves. (laughs) Sure.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I've, just to kind of back up that point, I think the record is a little bit uneven, especially as you get towards the end of it. There's a couple maybe misses there, but the handful of of hits I think are pretty great. And you know, it's a definitely a product of the '80s. It sounds very '80s, but I think there's enough interesting things going on, and you have the great voice of Shaka Khan, who I think, is an under <laughs> underappreciated uh, talent. <laughs> and uh, she just has a good personality. I like listening to her voice. I think it makes me happy to hear her sing, as opposed some artists just seem to have, like, a sadness to her voice, and she's very happy. So maybe it's from hearing Reading Rainbow as a kid. She's just been subconsciously implanted in my head. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was her. I didn't either, but now that I do, I can't stop hearing her voice and, like, everything. All right, so once again, the record is I Feel For You, Shaka Khan. 1984 if you're out on the boat or going to dance clubs it's a good choice.
0: I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. If you're enjoying the show, and we hope you are, do us a solid and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Maybe we made you laugh or you discovered an album you enjoy. Leaving a review keeps the show going and helps other music fans find us. If I ever listen to Steely Dan, I want you to slice my head off with an Al Giro LP. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my pick from the world of Yacht Rock is Steely Dan and... And their uh, 1977 album Asia. Uh, here's the title track. Asia. That's how it's pronounced. Asia. 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 I thought it was uh-huh. Aha!
1: <laughs>
2: <Asia, laughs> when all my dying is through, I run
0: to you
1: I guess they say Asia right in the uh, song. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, so that song, uh, supposedly is, uh, kind of like an interior monologue of a guy contrasting the shortcomings of his, like, regimented, passionless life, uh, with, um, you know, the space occupied by, uh, I guess Asia is, uh, a, a Korean woman or wife or something, um, who he visits to get relief from, like, his e- existence. Uh, it actually has, um, backing vocals from Timothy B. Schmidt. Uh, he, he joined, he joined the Eagles. Yeah. For the, lo- the long run album. Uh, he's the one that sings, uh, I can't tell you why. Yeah, that song? Okay. Yeah. Nice. yeah. He was in that. That vocal is kind of Yacht Rocky. Yes. Yeah, that song is definitely, I would say that's high on the Yacht or Not scale. Uh, anyway, so it's the sixth studio album uh, by the jazz rock band founded in New York in 1971 by Walter Becker and Donald Fagan. Uh, so initially the band was a sextet. I bet they were. <laughs> <laughs> that just means there were six of them. Uh, but uh, over time, it just became uh, just Walter Becker and Donald Fagan and just the sea of like, you know, the best jazz and, and pop musicians they, they could find. Kind of like the Beatles. They stopped touring after a couple albums and really just focused uh, on on studio work. The, the three words I, I chose to describe the album are balancing soul and perfectionism. Right so there is kind of like a a contrast here so these guys are just these meticulous studio nerds, nerds. Yeah, they're nerds, right? <laughs> um, they look kind of nerdy too, but so they're they're nerds. They've got the sound in their head, and they're bringing in these great musicians to try to find it. And they know when they don't have it, and they move on. Um, so I mean, they're telling like the you know the best guitarists out there, like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> but yeah, so they're really striving for this perfectionism, but somehow. You know, there's still soul in it. You know, it's not so overproduced that it loses. You know, that that jazz and bluesy vibe. You know, it still. You know, just very much has a has a soul and and life to it. But yeah. So well, let's uh, let's keep going. This is a, a song called Peg.
1: Yeah, uh, this whole album has these moments where, like, I just picture privileged dudes doing the overbite, like, you know, sort of, (laughs) you know.
0: (laughs) That's what I was doing. Strutty
1: head thing, yeah. Yeah, so Peg. The reason I picked it was because it's highly praised. It's often called the ultimate Steely Dan song. But mostly because uh, De La Soul on three feet high and rising sampled this song on the track. I know
2: Uh, that's why it sounded so familiar. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Kind of
1: made it interesting to, to listen to the actual song and, and kind of synthesize that in the world of De La Soul. But Don, you're talking about the musicians. The song's guitar solo was attempted by seven different studio session guitarists, including Robin Ford and Larry Carlton, before Jay Graydon's version became the one that they kept. So that's why I wanted the guitar solo in, in the clip that we played. In 2020, Donald Fagan said there's no hidden meaning. They just wanted a dotted half note for that spot and used the name Peg because it fit, because that's what they wanted the perfect sound okay. yeah so within <laughs> the sound the name. reason it's peg the name peg is just because it fit where they wanted it not because it's a person or anything special hmm. could have been don yeah it should have been Don. <laughs> seriously this the, the song is is basically takes place at a cd photo shoot in la from the perspective of a jilted boyfriend but their lyrics are very repetitive and the yes. music carries it and where you don't even notice like only reading through it, do you realize that the lyrics kind of repeat themselves a, a bunch the three words i use to describe the album are the whole shipyard it's more than yacht rock no. it's got everything and it's jazz and rock and that meticulous precision so it's it's really good stuff it's super interesting i'll keep listening to them because I think there's a lot more to learn. I've never really—I mean, I've heard their songs, but I've never given them much time because of that reputation of being kind of nerdy jazz rock. Yeah. But I really did enjoy the record, and I will continue to uh, try to expand my listening horizons with their discography and see what else they got.
0: Okay, well let's uh, l- let's hear a little more. Uh, this is the opening cut called "Black Cow."
1: Break away, just- Please. What the hell does that mean? I have no idea, man. <laughs> I was
0: looking it up my mind. The black cow is a drink, yeah. It's like a—is it like a, a coffee drink or something? Or? Uh, yeah, it's like one of those things you would have. They're, they're from New York, so it's one of those things you would have gotten at one of those like old-fashioned um, soda fountain places. You know, kind of uh, like um, like an egg cream. Yeah, kind of like an egg cream. It's like a. I, don't, I. It's like soda, like Coke or root beer, with ice cream and whatever. Okay. So, yeah. Hmm.
2: Well, I uh, I'm conflicted on this record here. Um let me start with my three words. I chose subtle, spacious, and subdued. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the intricateness of all these the composition here feels very tight. Some songs, like Black Cow, I, I found pretty interesting. They go to some pretty cool places from like a from like a jazz perspective, I guess. Other songs, I'm gonna get more into that pop adult contemporary space like Peg and some of the other records tracks later on the record I have a harder time with where it gets a little bit uh, just it's so subdued and it doesn't really feel like the songs are really given much space to 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 grow or flourish, kind of like you were saying, Don, how they, they feel so meticulously put together. They almost lose a little bit of their soul from my perspective. Like they don't feel quite as alive as the other two records we're talking about today. But it is interesting to listen to from a, just like a technical perspective, and I think the recording is awesome. Like it sounds yeah. so good. <laughs> you really can hear every little instrument, and it sounds huge too. I put it on the speakers, and it actually it sounded like a like a, almost like an orchestra listening to it's really a big sound they captured here which is awesome and it has like that cool 70s uh, tone to the music too which I appreciated there's like moments on there that are kind of like funky almost it's like some some cool bass that I appreciated but a lot of it is is pretty uh, subdued is the word I would come back I almost wish the vocals were less yeah. at times <laughs> <laughs> they feel superfluous on some songs like it's more interesting what's going on musically than what they're like. like the dude said like they just repeat a lot of words over and over again So, I don't know. I I did enjoy it more than most of these Yacht Rock records, but I don't know if I love it.
0: Interesting. Well, I understand what you're saying. I I think... I mean, other than the Michael McDonald vocals. Oh,
1: yeah. And I wanted to mention that, too, because
0: Michael McDonald is on on this record, right. background vocals. He's everywhere in
2: this.
1: He can't get his fingers yeah. out. But
0: yeah, y- yeah I the, the moments that I love most uh, on this record are just the instrumental parts. You know, like in Asia, as it, as it goes on, you know, I kind of get lost in it. And I, I think sometimes the, you know, the choruses and, and the... I don't know, just the vocals themselves, I, I think, kind of, uh, kind of annoy me. I gotta say, I mean, you know, my whole life, I've rebelled against this sound, sort of that easy listening, smooth <laughs> yeah. jazz, like the thought yeah. of Steely Dan, you know, just kind of grossed me out. But I, I, uh, I gotta say, I, I'm a, I'm a believer now. I, I love, this record uh and i feel like every time i listen to it there's just more there to to unpack and i i i would put it way above like anything else in the you know sort of in that yacht rock uh realm so i'm gonna nominate it for the album nerds hall of fame oh my god yeah steely dan 18 year old don would be cringing <laughs> um so yeah so um you know sort of I don't know if you do you call it a rock jazz fusion i don't know but there's something uh it's unique you know i mean i we've we've listened to other sort of fusion records before and it doesn't quite sound like this and i just feel like whatever this is they've they've perfected it on this album so uh what do you guys think
1: i feel very similarly to you don i don't know how i'll feel in the future in the morning as i yeah, yeah. as I as I try to, to dig in more on Steely Dan, but based on what I read and based on what I heard and being more into it every time I listen to it, I think I'm going to say yes. Oh, boy. It is, it is unique. It's got its own sound. There's no one else like it. And it's attention to detail, I think, is what drew me in the most.
0: Andy.
2: And here comes when? the shot between the eyes. <laughs> you know, like. In my head, I'm, like, thinking about, you know, what defines the, an, en- an half record. And, like, this probably does qualify. Like, it probably is the best Yacht Rock record, realistically. And it's well made. It just doesn't speak to me. Like, I would even say that that jazz rock record that we listened to, the uh, Tony Williams mm-hmm. Experience record, felt much more alive to me than this record does. Yeah, but, you know, the subtlety and the tension detail is impressive. Oh, boy. I don't know. I think I might. Oh, no. I think I might say yes. I'm going to kind of trust down a little bit on this one. Yeah. I'll say yes.
1: Wow. All right. Wow. I think that's really cool that uh, you brought something that regardless of our experience with it we were able to recognize some greatness yeah, there
2: Yeah, convinced us on the quality of this music, Don, which is pretty impressive because if you asked me when we first heard this if I would have picked any of these records I would have said
0: hell no All right, Well congratulations to Steely Dan with their 1977 record Asia Excuse me I'd like to ask you a few questions
1: That's right y'all it's time we're gonna ask ourselves a question now if the album nerds podcast makes us millionaires it's like when
2: it makes us millionaires i guess <laughs> we're, we're getting All right
1: there. yes <laughs> i think we're penny airs right now what expensive toy like a you know with a like yachts you know rich people throw around their their cake and they they get a yacht what expensive toy would you buy
2: this is a good question. Um I would not buy a boat, man. I had a boat growing up, and they are a pain in the ass. <laughs> I would not do that.
1: Well, what? What if? But you can afford a boat with yeah. a cabin in it and all that stuff, and you hire a captain to, Oh
2: uh, like, crew take care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be fun. Could be fun. Travel the world, maybe. And I think come up with though realistically would be like a nice 3D printer it would be kind of fun to make like a little. Little head of myself next to myself, or uh, wow, little little mini Andy on plastic. Uh,
1: I don't know much about 3D printers, but I feel like if you're a millionaire, you probably could do better than that, my <laughs> man. <laughs> I would save some, obviously. Uh, well, you probably most of your millions would be spent on the filament for it, so probably, yeah. That's, that stuff's expensive. Uh, you got
2: a more exciting answer, Dan?
0: No, I wouldn't say uh, a more exciting one. I, I don't think I would I would get a boat either, but I just really want a pool. You know, our, our summers just seem to get more oppressive uh, as, as time goes on or as I age. And, you know, I just want to kind of drift in a pool uh, all summer long. I'm fine with even, you know, taking care of it and checking the pH levels. You know, I, I feel like I could spend <laughs> my summers doing that. Yeah, it's like your own little personal lake. Yeah, you can get your own little raft as a boat. And I would listen to yacht rock. I think also maybe some uh, maybe an arcade cabinet or something like an old, like a real one. I have like in my yeah. office at school. I have like a two-thirds size Pac Man, but I want like the real thing. Oh, nice! So
1: this stuff would be all in your palatial mansions,
2: right? Sure. I mean,
1: we're we're assuming we have palatial mansions,
2: of course. That would be the first thing. Uh, okay, the album Nerd's Mansion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'd probably open a record store.
2: Nice, good idea. Start a business.
1: Not worry too much about making money; just having it be Uh cool—a cool place to place to hang hang out. Maybe not even let customers in. (laughs) Just uh, (laughs) invitation only. Yeah, just a place to hang out. You know.
2: So this is like an expansion of your record collection in like a bigger area. Exactly.
1: But when when artists come to town, they would get an exclusive invitation to come shop at my uh, record store huh. that no one else could shop in. I <laughs> yeah, I like it. what
2: would you call this place?
1: What'd I call it? Mm. Let's see.
2: Hmm. A dude's den or something? Or? That,
1: no, the dude hole. <laughs> 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 I don't know.
2: The dude hole? okay. Yeah, no one's going there anyway, man. Don't worry about locking the door. That's my problem.
1: <laughs> so maybe, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would just uh, combine a bunch of names of famous old record stores. So what about y'all? If you got that Skrill and you're a millionaire, what expensive toy, like a yacht or a mansion or whatever, what would you get? Let us know, albumnerds.com slash discord. Oh, I, I sail. I'm a sailor. I sail. The wind of the wind with the sky and everything. Oh, I love that movie. All right. So it is my turn. And and as usual, I pick the album that is the most well-known, the most obvious (laughs) mainstream pick you could do. So I went with Christopher Cross' self-titled album from December of 1979. And why don't we start off with what is sometimes considered the penultimate Got Rock song, mostly because it's about sailing, and it's called Sailing.
0: Well, it's
1: not Andy's wearing a sunglasses-captain's hat combo and swaying back and forth to this, and I, we're on the deck of a giant sailboat right now
2: feel the waves it's beautiful rocking me gently to sleep
1: i think i'm just drifting in my pool the seagulls (laughs) are pecking my eyes out (laughs) Um, (laughs) so yeah christopher cross born christopher charles geppert in may of 1951 from san antonio texas does not sound like a texas boy to me (laughs) he won five grammy awards for this
2: album holy moly that's a lot for one record. I mean, that's, wow.
1: Yeah. Um, his other notable hits include Ride Like the Wind, Arthur's theme, the best that you can do, and Think of Laura from some other albums. He's known for his soothing voice, melodic hooks. It's a little more guitar-based. He's a guitar player. There's a little more guitar on this than typically exists in the <laughs> rock space. But his songs often evoke a sense of breezy escapism romantic nostalgia, making him a key figure in a yacht rock genre, in finger quotes. The song itself was uh, about escape from the mundane and and, uh, just sailing off and forgetting your troubles, you know, and and he captured that really, really well. I loved this song as a kid. Every time I heard it, it made me feel happy, and I remember him winning those Grammys and thinking that was pretty cool. It was inspired by sailing trips he took as a kid with his friend Al, whose last name I'm not going to (laughs) say. Because it might not be true. It was on Wikipedia. It says his name is Al <laughs> Al Glasscock.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't do it.
1: The three, the three words I used to describe, <clears throat> the three words I used to describe this album, <laughs> are are sailing against the wind. I think this is like the end of the soft rock seventies. This may have been the final voyage. I think winning all those Grammys and it kind of was the, the top of that. And music started to change, pop music started to change dramatically shortly after this. The musical tides were changing, you might say. All right, so why don't we listen to another track from Christopher Cross? This one is called I Really Don't Know Anymore.
2: I really don't know. <laughs> I really can't see. <laughs>
1: With those strained voices, I feel like this is two dudes uh, in neighboring stalls trying to, like,
0: <laughs> right. trying to relieve themselves. Right, seriously. <laughs> I wonder if it was one of those in, in the studio if they were like staring at each other as they were singing, <laughs> <laughs> like just nose to
1: nose. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, yeah, Michael McDonald, man, he's just popping up everywhere all over this. All right, my three words is describe this record is it in question mark? Whoa. What? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I chose those words. Wow! Uh, Ouch! <laughs> just, Jeez, man! I feel like this record is just—it's very—it's very well composed. <laughs> it has a good like structure to it, but I didn't get any emotion from this. It feels very castrated, I guess. Oh my goodness (laughs) Uh, Oh man Christopher I'm sorry Each track is like Uh, well constructed And it's composed in a very logical manner In a way that you would expect Like kind of like a more mainstream Like pop record to be composed Where you have like you know here's your verse Here's the refrain here's the other verse So I just found it a little bit I guess A little boring I guess I would say
1: He's Lyrically, there's some good stuff. He's efficient. Uh, I like his lyric writing, but yeah, it is. This uh, I guess Sailing was one of the first songs digitally recorded, and it sounds it. I mean, like with Steely Dan, you expect the sheen because everything's perfect. With this,
2: some rough sounds, a little more. Yeah, just a little more lively, I think would have been know, nice. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. It doesn't help that there's like almost zero low end on this at all. Like, I know there is like some drums and bass i assume on here but you can hardly hear him at all
1: so why don't we uh jump to another one of the songs a little more well known and no michael mcdonald right i don't believe so (laughs) (laughs) he's
2: probably creeping in the background somewhere
1: maybe he's giving christopher a a light uh shoulder rub while he's singing (laughs) this is never be the same
0: I feel like a lot of these songs could have been like television sitcom themes I feel like a lot yeah. of the themes uh, yeah. from the 80s were you know sort of of this this genre yeah. and this style yeah, totally. yeah so the, uh, the, the three words I, I chose to describe the album were uh, soft sweet and sincere. Um, so I, I think the, maybe the point of contention is, is the sincerity of, of the record, you know, because it does feel just very, very polished. But I think it's his voice or something. I, I think there's a, a, there's a vulnerability or something that kind of comes out in his, in his voice that, that I think gives the, the songs, um, you know, some emotion. Whereas if, if somebody else was, was singing it, I, I think maybe it, it wouldn't work. It feels like he means what he's yeah.
1: what he's saying, but it, I think it's just the production and the the arrangements and the time period of how they were making music that again won five Grammy awards.
0: So someone like yeah, it. yeah, they sure did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, I I think when like this. This genre is kind of at its worst. It's like, uh, like I described it as sweet, but like you, I, you could call it like saccharin or something, right? It's like artificial sweetener. You know, it tastes, it's sweet, you know, but it's, I don't know, you know, it's not the same as sugar. It doesn't, um, you know, I don't know. There's like some sort of aftertaste or something that, uh, <laughs> that, that isn't quite right. And it's, and it's not real, but I, I think, I mean, the, at times, listening to this record, maybe I, I I kind of thought that. But but overall, I I think it's an album that's that's from the heart. Uh, I think he is a you know a, a talented t- songwriter. Um, you know he he like you said he's uh, efficient with the lyrics. You know, all the songs are are hooky. Um, I mean it, it almost it it is uh, like the prototypical kind of yacht rock or or soft rock mm-hmm. uh, album. Yeah, it's nine tracks.
1: The three highlights will probably never be the same, Ride Like the Wind and Sailing. And Ride Like the Wind does get a little groovy, a little strutty, uh, unlike the other tracks. It, it's got a little tood. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one you'd be afraid of, but there's some <laughs> oh, taste Tasted toed.
0: <laughs> that one has Michael McDonald, too. Yes, it does. Yes, it does.
1: All right. So Yacht Rock King, Christopher Cross, the self-titled Grammy-winning album. Christopher Cross. Go check it out if you feel like doing some sailing. Yacht Rock. Here's what I learned. Not a genre. (laughs) It's a playlist. Mm -hmm. Yacht Rock feels like more of a title of a playlist of a bunch of songs that fit those criteria Don mentioned at the top. But it's kind of, when it's so long after the fact, I don't really think of it as a genre because no one intended to
2: be that. Yeah, no one set out to make a Yacht Rock record. Yeah. What would you guys think? you know, I think this episode kind of reaffirmed the value in what we're doing on this podcast. I think for me, uh, I expected to just be in like a state of like terror for the last week, listening to these
0: records.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that Asia record really, um, from Steely down there really showed me that there could be, I mean, I knew that there was the potential for something more to be in any of these genres. And I think that kind of restored my hope. And, uh, this type of music and what we do here. So thanks for saving the show, Don.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do think genres and labels and stuff like that, you know, I mean, for the most part, they're just there to, you know, kind of help market music. Uh, You know, not the case for, for this genre. This just seemed like, like, you know, it was actually, it's like a pejorative term, right? Yacht rock. It was kind of like making fun of uh, all Mm -hmm. of this, this music from the, uh, the seventies and and eighties. But yeah, so I mean, I I enjoyed going on this this journey voyage. Thank you voyage.
1: Enjoying yes. the boat.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I, I finally spent some time with with, with Steely Dan uh, and even Christopher Cross. You know, I, I'm you know I only knew a, a handful of songs, so it was it was good to, to spend time with uh, an entire record. So yacht rock, not rock. Yacht or yacht or not, not
1: yacht. <laughs> <laughs> It's just gibberish stroke when it comes down to it it's all just music and it's fun to use genres as a way to yeah. to navigate these waters <laughs> and that's one to grow on
0: I'm your density I mean your destiny
2: All right, well, uh, Wadbot is out out on the yacht right now, uh, getting some rays. (laughs) YachtBot. That's right, (laughs) (laughs) YachtBot. She will be back next week. But in the meantime, we have a special edition album nerds episode for you. Next week is our, our 200th episode, so we are doing something a little special. Wow, you guys have been doing this a long time. Yeah, doing it and doing it well, some would say.
1: Doing it and doing it and doing it well.
2: We're going to be taking a look at Rolling Stone's list of top albums of all time. They put out a list of 500 records. We're going to be picking three records from the top 200 records of all time, according to Rolling Stone, to be featured next week. What's the twist? Well, the twist is they have to be albums and artists that we've never spoken about previously in our 200 episodes. So something new coming to you boys and girls next week. Also, I want to mention there's an ongoing Einhof vote in the works. If you have an opinion on Michael Jackson's 1979 album Off the Wall, and you should... Please go to the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord, or our website, albumnerds.com, to cast your votes, yay or nay, does Michael Jackson's record belong in the Album Nerds Hall of Fame?
0: All right. Well, what was your favorite Yacht Rock album? Have you read Rolling Stone's top 500 albums? What's your favorite? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join fellow Album Nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash discord. You can email us at podcast albumnerds.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at albumnerds. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support.
1: Thank you, as always, for listening to the Album Nerds podcast. We'll catch you next week for our 200th episode with three of the greatest albums of all time. Whoa. All time.
0: Catch everybody next week. Shuck the corn. Shuck the corn.
1: (laughs) Shuck the corn. Let me shuck you. Let me shuck you. Shuck the corn. I've been
0: delighting my family for years. Every time we, we have... Corn on the cob over the summer. <laughs> I'm gonna shuck the corn. Shuck the corn. Okay. Go <laughs> shuck yourself. Wow. Aw, oh, shucks. <laughs> Chuck a corn. Chuck a corn.